0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. Today, we are here to break down the NBA trade deadline. We're going to do a quick primer on what to expect over the next two months from a trade perspective within the NBA. Why are we doing this now? The trade deadline is something like two months away at this point. The reason that you do this now is because on December 15th, not all of, but a large majority of the free agents that signed over the off season become eligible to be traded. That leads to much more flexibility in terms of trade structures across the league. And it's a little bit easier for teams to, to be able to maneuver and find different deals that could be available. Second, the G league showcase is actually December 19th through December 22nd. That's really the first event where a significant number of teams and high end decision makers will come together and all be in the same place at once. And that can often lead to early trade discussions within the NBA ecosystem. So I thought that December 13th, a couple of days before the 15th, would be a really good time to do a quick lay of the land of where the NBA trade deadline, NBA trade season picture uh, is currently settling as we talk at this moment. Things will change. Last year, we had no fucking idea that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were going to get traded at this point. So we just need to be honest about that, that we don't know what we don't know. But we can at least look at the picture, take a look at the teams and take a look at the players. We're going to talk at the very least, very, very briefly about every team in the NBA. Maybe it just might be a sentence. Maybe it might be three minutes, four minutes, something a little bit longer. Uh, and then that'll be the first half of the show. In the second half of the show, we'll talk a little bit more about specific names that we're looking at that could be available. Bryce, that's a long preamble that I think laid out what we're doing today well. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good. No, that's perfect. Uh, I'm just starting to question one thing here, Sam. Like, when you ask me to to join you and come on weekly, I'm like, oh, Sam really respects my NBA draft evaluation. And then I signed on, (laughs) and I've got to talk NBA draft like maybe one time in twelve or thirteen episodes. Luckily. I've done very good job, I think, of keeping up with all of these NBA teams, watching as many NBA games as possible, and I enjoy it. That's all. That's all. Just joking here, but it it has been more NBA talk than I thought, Sam. But I love it.
0: No, I, I love talking to you about the NBA draft. The problem is that I'll take people behind the curtain a little bit when I do NBA draft stuff. Right now, fewer people listen. Like just yeah. realistically, we're at that point of the season right now where it seems like fewer people are tuning in for NBA draft content. It's why I tried to do a little bit more of an interactive thing, uh, on what was that Sunday night With in the, Q&A. the United States where I just did a Q and A and like answer questions. You were at the Chiefs game, so I didn't want to bother you there, but. I just wanted to talk about it a little bit and kind of dive in. And plus I knew this week was going to be busy because as people know, I'm going to Bali uh, tomorrow actually uh, for a week off. So speaking of that, it's worth noting here, Bryce and I are recording two shows after this, that will be released next week. So you guys will have the podcast next week. It probably won't be quite as like interactive with us, you know, talking to people in the comments and everything just because i they'll be recorded ahead of time but we're going to do overreactions for the first quarter of the season and it's going to be really really fun to kind of dive into and discuss uh different teams in the eastern conference and western conference we've split that up into two shows based on the conferences five overreactions each really excited to record those shows but Given that uh I'm really excited to talk to you today Bryce about trades. Unfortunately, we have to open with Draymond Green because Draymond Green decided to wheel around and I think that like the fairest way to describe this is smack Yusuf Nurkic in the face. Like it wasn't a punch, it wasn't a closed fist. It was probably a little bit more forceful than a slap. I think smack is probably where I'm at.
1: Yeah, that was. I, I don't know. I we talked about this already, Sam. I don't even know what to think anymore with Draymond. Like, listen, I I know what he is as a player. I know what he's meant to the organization, and and all of those things. Like, all of those things are real. I honestly feel like sometimes I watched the game early in the year. I thought he was trying to get ejected. Like, it just looked like Draymond didn't want to play. And instead of just going to Steve Kerr and being like, "Hey, can you sub me out?" He's like, "You know what? I'm just going to do something crazy, and I'm going to you know get thrown out of the game." This is the. Third one, I think Sam, we're less than a month removed from the Rudy Gobert five game suspension. I know Draymond came out immediately and said he didn't mean to. I I thought it looked like pretty aggressive. Like, I I don't know what he was doing. Like, I don't even know that it matters at the end of the day with where he's been throughout his career. It's a bad look and like even i'm starting to get a little annoyed with it. i don't really care a whole lot about these things normally but even for me i'm like god this is just getting tiring that we have to talk about this this many times with draymond
0: so it does annoy me like i've been people who have listened to the show for years know that i'm like the draymond green like i don't even know about defender like i if he does stupid shit like this i'm like yeah he did stupid shit but like I, I think Draymond Green is one of the 75 best players in NBA history, at least 75 most relevant players in NBA history. Maybe you look at the way that he was at the forefront of the defensive revolution across the league in terms of switching defenses, in terms of small ball. uh He is an incredibly relevant figure within the tapestry of the NBA's history. So for him to keep doing this shit where he is wheels around and smacks Yusuf Nurkic and like, I'll be honest with you. I don't really care about the intent. Like the best case scenario here is he didn't mean to, and he was just wildly reckless and fucking stupid. Yep. The worst case scenario is he meant to do it. Neither scenario is good. So it doesn't really matter to me that much. Like he can say that like, you know, uh, typically I wouldn't apologize. You know, it's just what he said last night, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I apologize to Yusuf. I didn't mean to do it. I'm sure that that was like for the league to see, you know, he's thinking about this a little bit more. Draymond's an incredibly intelligent human being. I, I just can't like. You can't really defend it at this point. Uh, he's been over the line this year in terms of the aggressiveness, in terms of the uh, willingness to get into these moments. Here's the thing. The team fucking needs him. Like We're the Warriors <laughs> are a nightmare right now. Like, they are in the middle of a real like core crisis. It feels like to me where their younger players are playing great. Brandon Pajemski was awesome last night. I think Moses Moody's been pretty good when I've seen him this year. I still don't totally know what Jonathan Kaminga is, but he comes in, he gives energy, he plays in transition, he's pretty solid defensively on the ball at least from time to time. Like those guys have been good, and Andrew Wiggins has been. I think probably the worst player in the NBA making 20 million or more this season. Uh, Clay Thompson has not been Clay Thompson and Kevon Looney, I think has really struggled this year as well. So you look at where they are positioned and we're going to talk about this, you know, throughout the portion of this podcast when we get to them, but it's really, really frustrating to me to just like watch this and like continue to go down this road uh, with Draymond because he's a better player than this. Like, and you listen to him talk; like he's an incredibly intelligent human being. Uh, he knows better. Than, like he has to know better than this. But like, then again, how he made it in the NBA is by being this guy, by being tougher than everybody, and by like playing on that edge. So maybe he doesn't know better. I don't know. It's a. It's. It's really really disappointing.
1: Yeah, like I say, it just, and, and I agree with you. Like. You don't want to take all of this out of Draymond because he has kind of lived on this like tough guy mentality, whatever that stuff. But there's a line for everything. And at a certain point, your team is losing games. I I believe as we record, they're not even in the play-in right now with one of your starters, as you mentioned, not playing well at all and Andrew Wiggins, like going through a complete whatever's going on there. You got to win games. I don't know what the fallout of this is going to be, but... If he's suspended for any games, now he's not there. He's not able to help. Like this team needs every win they can get. And at the very end of the day, if he's the smart as smart a basketball player and all of those things as we say he is, and this team guy on the court, you got to be able to do it in these other aspects as well, Sam. Like th- that's not being a team player. That's not being a smart basketball player. Getting ejected from games, having already suspended for five games, that is like straight up hurting your team. And he has to be better than that. On top of the fact that it's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, it's just ridiculous seeing that type of stuff. There's some stuff I'm like, hard, physical, intimidating play. I kind of believe in. That's not what that was. That was just like reckless and stupid. And if there was real intent behind it, like straight up, just kind of whacked for me.
0: No, it was like, I, I think that's a completely fair characterization of it. I think the league's going to hammer him. I mean, it's possible that they come down like while we're podcasting yeah. and say what's going to happen with him. Uh, it, it's, it's really disappointing. I think that he should probably be suspended for, you know, eight, 10 games, something like that. Uh, make it so that he understands to like, Hey, you need to find the line again. Basically, like figure out where your line is and get back behind it, because this year you've been way too far in front of it. Uh, I think it'd be completely reasonable to suspend him for a significant uh, amount of time like that. Okay, Uh, someone asked about Cam Whitmore at the top here. Have you been like seeing what Cam Whitmore has done in the G League?
1: I haven't. Like, I got to do better about this. I realized this the other day as I watched these, a ton of G League Ignite games, Sam. And I'm like, one day they're playing the Jazz G League Ignite team. I'm like, oh, there's Bryce Insuball. There's Taylor Hendricks. And then they were playing Rip City Remix. So Ryan Repair, Abu Baji was playing. I'm like, oh, like, this is kind of fun to watch these guys along with the Ignite. I have done an awful job. Between trying to keep up with the NBA draft, NBA, obviously, I have to watch 82 games with the Pistons. I just haven't done a good job of keeping track of the young guys. So uh, I'm as big a Cam Whitmore fan as you were. I assume this means he's
0: hooping. Cam Whitmore in 10 games in the G League right now is averaging 26.9 points, about seven rebounds, three assists, almost two steals, shooting 49, 43, 80. Uh, while shooting 43% from three on 10 attempts per game right now. They've wait, just wait, wait, said hold on, 10 attempts. Damn. They've just said, cam go rock. And he is obliterating. Anytime I've watched him, uh, he has 75 points and 17 rebounds in his last two games. He has just been like, utterly unbelievable in the g-league and it's the g-league he is tailor-made to play in that league in terms of his athleticism power transition play everything like that i, I would love to see him uh up with the rockets soon though
1: so i want to say like we want everybody to be successful right like we don't root against anybody obviously and i don't but i also don't like just hang my hat on guy. God- I really want Cam Whitmore to be successful for like my own sanity of thinking he was a top five pick in last year's draft and him not going till 20. There's certain things, Sam, that make me question, do I know ball or not? Usually, it's not the the comments in the YouTube section, Sam, or somebody coming at me on Twitter. It's like, I think Jaden Ivey's really good and the Pistons only play him 20 minutes a night. And I go, damn, am I just stupid? It's me thinking Cam Whitmore was a top five player in the draft and him going 20 and me going, do I not know ball? And so just from my own sanity and evaluation, I want to see Cam Whitmore be good because I want to not be just completely wrong, I guess. And I know we're all going to be wrong at times.
0: That's amazing. I love it. Uh, Okay. Let's do you want to start the trade deadline stuff? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the way we're going to lay this out, we're going to do probably like five minutes or so on each division. I have a quick little note for myself on like what I think each team's need. I'll talk about that kind of at the top. And then the way we'll break it down is like we might dive into like a couple of those teams specifically and then move on to the next division. Okay, so let's start with the Atlantic division. There are five teams here. The Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors. Uh the Celtics just need depth. Th- that stands out to me. Like they need probably a seventh man at least, and maybe an eighth man as well. Like they, if they can go find somebody, that'd be really valuable. Uh the Sixers, I would say, look, they're gonna be hunting for a third star. They're gonna be seeing what they can find on the deadline uh, on the market. And if something is out there, I don't know that. Zach Levine is the guy for me for them necessarily, as I've talked about previously. I don't know that the guy is out there right now, unless it's OG and a personally, but we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. Uh, the New York Knicks, they need to go just find a number one guy. Like that's their thing. And there isn't one available right now. Uh, they could maybe, you know, chore some things up on the margins, but I, I don't see a real need for them to go get like a Levine or somebody like that. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, they're also star hunting. And then the Toronto Raptors are the pivot point of this deadline again. They were the pivot point last year uh, when, you know, OG and Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, all of these guys had potential to be moved. And what did they do? They decided to buy instead. So do any of those five teams, I do want to start with Toronto. I'm, uh, for the rest okay. of these, I'm going to ask you, like, which team... Uh, do you want to talk about, but for this one, I I want to start with Toronto because I think Toronto holds the keys to this deadline in a very real way. They have, in my opinion, the best player available in Pascal Siakam. They have the second best player available in OG and Anobi, uh, at least theoretically available. Both of those guys are on expiring deals, which is why the Raptors at least have to listen. And the reason that they have to listen is because. We just saw what happens if you don't make a move like this at the deadline with them last season, you run the risk of losing a franchise stalwart who has made an all-star game like Fred Van Vliet for nothing. They need to really consider their options here and consider how they want to build their team more than anything though. And this is just what I wrote. I said, like, pick a direction straight up flat out you need to pick a direction in terms of where you want your organization to go for the last two years they've just felt mired in the middle and it feels very un like to do that and it feels very like kind of un-NBA like to do that with the way that teams have operated in recent history uh what do you think the Raptors should do here let's say
1: yeah. So, I mean, I'm just looking at their team stuff, where they're at and offensive rating, defensive rating, stuff like that. Like some, it's time. It's time along with the contract stuff that you laid out. What I would do, Sam, I would trade Pascal. I would yeah. probably trade Gary Trent Jr. Who's also on an expiring and I would assuming OG wants to be in Toronto. I would build around OG Scotty, Grady Dick, hopefully whatever you get in return for those guys it, it's obviously doesn't have to be like a full rebuild. Like we've seen some of these other guy, teams. I would take OG, Scotty, whatever assets I can get. And I would rock with that. That that's what I do. I think OG yeah. is awesome, Sam. And this is no yeah. slide at Pascal Siakam. OG is incredible. And I know we'll talk about him more, so I don't want to dive too much into it right now. That's what I would do. That, that, that's where I would go if I was the Raptors.
0: That's what I would like to do if I was them. I would need to know way more about OG and Anobi uh, and what he wants. So Grape Ape asks, what are you paying OG though? It seems like OG is going to want $35 to $40 million a year. That's a big number for a team that would ostensibly be moving Siakam to then probably get back future-ish assets, right? So finding a deal that makes sense for them with OG just financially in terms of you can't extend him is another piece of this, right? Like OG's max extension, I think is like four years, I think 117 million right now, which is right around like 29 million per year. So you can't even really go out and extend him right now under the collective bargaining agreements rules, which means you're running a risk at the end of the day with Ananobi. You really have to feel confident in how he is going to decide and look like OG is quite inscrutable. Like we need to be real about that. And you know, people have brought up the idea of him going to Philly. I true like that Raptors locker room. Like last season, it did not feel wildly strong. Like, I, I don't know if OG is going to be like, yeah, like let's, let's run it back with Nick nurse again. Uh, Like, I'm not saying he won't, but I'm just saying like, that's not a certainty that he's like, oh my God, like let's do this again. The other piece of this that's really important to note and why I think the Raptors are going to take this like right to the deadline, no matter what they do, like I think they're taking this until February. Rotrad brings up Toronto does not have a pick unless it's in the bottom six. That's because of the Jakob Pertl deal that they did last season at the deadline to acquire him from San Antonio. They really want that pick to transfer this year for two mm-hmm. reasons. A, this draft is not very good. B, this. Making this transfer now would create a very real degree of flexibility for yep. them long term because it would allow them to have all of their picks moving forward as opposed to living like in this liminal state where you don't know if you're going to have a pick or not this year. And like when you can trade your picks and everything like that. So I think they want to keep these guys as long as they can try and stay out of the bottom six, if they can and not like bottom out essentially. And the best way to do that is by keeping these guys. So in the bottom six right now, you have Detroit, San Antonio, Washington, Portland, Utah. I feel good about those teams being below Toronto Memphis. You don't know what John Morant right now, like they're in the fifth spot. Uh, Charlotte. Look, I think Charlotte is probably going to be worse than Toronto at the end of the day. Uh, And Chicago, depending on if Chicago buys or sells, like they're sending out smoke signals they might buy. I'm with you. But I think you want to keep these guys as long as you can in order to make that pick transfer and then make a move in like February, which again is like two months of, you know, a annoying situation for the Raptors. But yeah.
1: I love the aspect of this where usually you do, you want to keep your pick right and stuff like that, and then this one it's the opposite way. I, I live in this world with the Pistons. It's like, what move can you make? I'm like, well, you can't trade any first round picks because there's these all these protections on that pick. It makes a lot of sense if the Raptors go ahead and convey that this season, then as soon as that the rollover, you could trade three first rounds, all these pick swaps. Like you could very quickly, and and I see a lot of the comments in terms of OG. Obviously, that's an aspect you have to feel really good that og wants to be there is going to resign but if you have og scotty maybe a couple of these young guys play well and grow whatever assets like you can go get that other star that you need fairly quickly that probably fits a little bit better in terms of on the court sam we, I've listened to you talk about this even before I joined Game Theory with him and Siakam and, and Barnes kind of op- occupying, excuse me, the same area of the floor, but also just the timeline in general. Like Siakam's not old, but he is 29. It seems like OG and Barnes are a little bit more on that same time frame. And then you get another guy that fits that as well.
0: Yeah. uh Real quick, just on the 76ers as well, because they're th- this is the division we're going to spend the most time on because it's by far the most interesting in terms of like all these teams are somewhat in the ballpark uh for uh, like significant moves except for boston i think that the 76ers will certainly be out there like daryl morey went on the radio today in philadelphia and kind of talked about the fact that you know they're out there looking for guys right now the problem is I don't know if there is a star out there right now that truly fits them except for OG and OG, I think is going to be wildly expensive to try and acquire. I think he is the one that's most likely to be on Toronto past the deadline out of these guys that were there because they think that he's a great fit with Scotty Barnes. So they won't want to move him unless they feel like they're like bowled over with an offer. Like it's multiple first round picks, like young player, like it's, It's going to be an aggressive amount to get Ananobi, despite the fact that he is an expiring deal that really can't be extended. So I I don't know what the option is for Philly. I don't know about you. I don't love the Siakam fit there, personally. Uh, I, I think it might be more of a deal with Philly where it could either be a surprise name that we don't see on the board right now. Totally possible. And as the season develops, something like that could come up. Or it could be something like a, you know, just like a Gordon Hayward or a, you know, try and get Caruso or something like that. Like one of those moves as opposed to like a serious, significant move to me.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do because we've talked about cap flexibility for them as well. But, but especially how good Tyrese Maxey has been, maybe you want to go ahead and make that move now at the deadline instead of waiting until the offseason. A lot of the talk was almost just get through this year, make sure Joel stays unhappy and those type of things. But I think you've accomplished that. I mean, I remember talking with you, saying we were like, what is Philly going to do? Is Joel going to want to leave? And luckily, or maybe not luckily, maybe they knew, they drafted him. Tyrese Maxey has been absolutely incredible. But it, it is time coming soon to add that third guy to that mix. I'm going to sound like a Pascal hater and I don't want to sound like, like, I don't think I love Pascal there either. I don't, I don't know where I would love him. I'd have to go through every team a, a little bit better. That doesn't seem like the right fit for me. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I'm with you where either they make a move on the margins while keeping flexibility, or it's a name that none of us are talking about right now, which we know somebody's going to pop in the next couple months, right? Like there's a name none right. of us are discussing that's going to that's gonna show up. And that's what's kind of hard about this right now is who's going to get injured and their team falls out of it, who's going to fall out of favor, who's going to end up unhappy, and all of a sudden they become the hot name on the market.
0: Okay, let's take one quick break, and then we'll be back and talk about The Central. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN. If you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So, When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shop blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to NordVPN.com slash game theory to claim your account. Nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord and it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay. We're back. We're going to dive into the Central Division while well, Bryce is off somewhere. He'll be he'll be back at some point. Uh the Central Division here, just to run through the five teams. The Bucks, I think they're looking for something like perimeter defense, tough guys that can actually take on tougher assignments at the point of attack. That's been a real issue for them so far. The Pacers again looking just for perimeter defense, wing defense, things like that. Uh two-way play. They obviously want shooters around. Uh tyrese halliburton that feels like a significant thing for them the Cavs, i think also two wing two-way wing play but their assets are quite limited moving forward uh the bucks as well assets quite limited moving forward the bulls pick a direction like they have to make a decision on their rebuild and for the pistons when i did this prep i just wrote help i need an adult
1: <laughs> like i don't our interactions about the pistons are hilarious i love it um where do I want to go here? The the Bulls is the easy one. Yeah. I think the Pacers are interesting. We got into this yeah. a little bit last episode or the one before. I want I think they need a second star. I wonder if they do it now. Do you let this rock? What do you do with Buddy Hield? I know everybody said it so I'm just repeating other people now but if he They were going to trade him, right, before the season. It was trade Buddy Hield, and then now Buddy Hield is starting for them, looks good. Yeah. I always wonder how teams look at, especially a team like the Pacers, ascending, right? This season looks like it's on track to be a uber success right now, Sam. Do you just take that and then make your decisions in the offseason? Or do you take the momentum and try to multiply it right now? and sometimes I worry that teams do that too quickly instead of letting things happen organically. But I also understand like the fear of missing out Sam of, Hey, we have this momentum. Let's capitalize on it now because you can go the other way really fast, right? Like you can be going, 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 and then it falls really quick. So I think they're in that space and I don't know that I know which way I, I think I would like to see them stay the course. I think that's where I'm at. But I would understand if they go ahead and try to amplify it.
0: Well, there's a team in their division that tried to do this, right? Like the Cleveland Cavaliers had a great season and then they went out and acquired Donovan Mitchell and they expedited their rebuild and they got better last year, right? Like they were one of the best regular season teams in the league. But right now, like I, I don't have a ton of faith in them being able to make a big dent in a playoff situation. Maybe they can win a series, but I don't think they can win two series in the playoffs right now. So now they're in a space where Donovan Mitchell expires after next season, which means this summer they have to make a difficult decision on Donovan Mitchell in all likelihood after having given up a significant number of assets in order to acquire him. So the key for the Pacers, I think, is just not rushing the timeline and speeding it up as quickly as possible. The thing that they have going for them is that I do genuinely believe that like dudes are going to want to go play with Tyrese Halliburton because Tyrese is going to get them paid. Like his unselfishness, his intelligence, he is going to get guys paid in a significant way on the wing. If you're OG Ananobi and you're signing a deal for like your 26 to 29 year old seasons, you should feel good that like by the time you're 29, Halliburton's going to put you in great position to where you're going to go get another nine-figure contract probably, right? So I think that makes sense. I'll be honest with you too. I think this is the team for Siakam. I think this is the team that should make the move (laughs) because they play up tempo. He's a terrific transition player. They have all the spacing in the world around him. They have a center that can space in Miles Turner. All his mid-post creativity as a shot creator would really translate there. Uh, he is a terrific passer and unselfish player in a way that I think really meshes with their flow. I, I love the idea of them going to get him. I, I think that's a really, really strong fit for them.
1: Yeah, listen, the Pacers have become... I think I've watched a lot of Pacers games. That's what I'll say. They've become one of my favorite teams to watch. Hallie is... Incredible. And you're right. Like, I've always wanted to get into the mind of NBA players, Sam, to find out how much the things you're talking about with Halliburton matter, right? Like, how much does it matter? Oh, you have to go play in Indiana? Yeah, but I get to play with Tyrese Halliburton, who would just as likely get 20 assists in a game as 40 points in a game. And he can do both if we need him to do that night. They play, like even play style. Like I assume all this stuff matters, right? But how much does it matter? Does it really, I'm just curious. I would love to know those things. And Indiana has a pitch for a lot of guys. Come play, come play this style. And then OG, when the game slows down, like we talked about, now he's defending and between OG, Bruce Brown, Miles Turner in the middle. Now you can really guard people as well whenever you need to. And he doesn't screw up the offense. That would be deadly. That would be really exciting. I think it was in the. Do you think that's a trade or would the Pacers just say, hey, let's wait and see if we can snatch him in the offseason?
0: See, and that's that's where it's complicated, right? Like if you're the Raptors, what do you ask for from the Pacers? Because like, frankly, like Jairus Walker fits a lot of the things that the Raptors have liked over the years. But like is Jairus Walker a great fit with Scotty Barnes? Or do you have the same kind of concern here that you have with Pascal Siakam? Right. Uh, And if you're the Pacers, like, do you want to give up Jairus Walker knowing that Pascal Siakam in the offseason said, I'm not signing an extension with anybody, but Toronto, if I get moved, I'm going to take it to free agency, which means he's going to take it to free agency. So I don't know. Uh, They're in an interesting spot. We'll talk about more specific stuff with Pascal later. Yeah. Uh, Rhett power asks is cleveland's problem that they accelerated too fast or that they chose mitchell as the accelerant look i I think it's both to be honest like i I think it's that evan mobley was still extremely skinny when they drafted him and if you look at the numbers for the cavaliers uh we'll talk about this on a show for next week but like they're way better playing one big right now than playing both of them so their roster construction is very odd with as ret says both the small guards and both of the bigs. But what they did by choosing Mitchell as the accelerant and by outlaying significant assets is they made it so that they're in a somewhat inflexible situation or at least less flexible situation. So I think it's both kind of, I think they probably should not have accelerated as fast as they did. And also I think that they chose probably the wrong guy, frankly, but Mitchell's been great this season. Like that's the thing D- Donovan Mitchell has been unbelievable to start this season. So it's hard to say the bulls we'll talk about the bulls maybe a little bit later on. Cause we're going to talk about Levine DeRozan and Caruso. Um, let's move to this next group here. The heat Hornets, wizards, Hawks, and magic in the Southeast division, the Miami heat, they need scoring on the wings they could use like another front court piece i think uh the hornets need to make a decision on whether or not they sell i think they probably are a seller at the end of the day uh the Wizards should just be selling i think the hawks need to go find a two-way guy a defender probably a front court piece like on the wings something like that uh and then the magic just could use one more like offensive punch piece but i will say for the magic they've looked a lot better offensively over the course of the last couple of weeks uh Any of those five teams stand out to you?
1: No, I don't think any of them stand out. I I will say whenever I was looking at the Hawks cap sheet, I was like, holy cow, they have a lot of money tied up long term. And you got some guys that are looking to get paid. Also, shout out Bogdan Bogdanovich. That dude is hooping right now. I watched the game the other night where he dropped like 40. He was awesome. I think the Magic are the ones that are interesting to me because I think the Magic are a team that everybody... Brings up to make a move. I I think, I think maybe we believe in the backcourt more than the rest of people. Everybody wants to send a guard down there. And I'm like, I kind of like these guys. I understand some of the shortcomings. I get it. But I still like this is a team that is further along than what I think anybody thought. Let Franz and Paolo continue to figure this out. Let's see how far Jalen Suggs can come, right? Like, what if he can actually shoot along with what he does defensively? Fultz was playing well. I think Cole Anthony's doing some really good things off the bench, and I love Anthony Black. And so it's like, I'm not saying that a move doesn't eventually have to happen. I just don't know that I want to do it now. I don't want to trade two of those guys for some guard, depending on who it is, of course, and and, and mess that up. I, I think I'm cool just letting the magic. Let's see what we actually have. Let's see how good this can be before we go and say we need something better
0: yeah i'm with that like the guy that stands out to me for them would be buddy healed like somebody that would be relatively low cost to acquire probably wouldn't like upset the apple cart too much in terms of the way that they're operating right now but could be like a real difference maker as like an offensive shooter and floor spacer for guys like paulo and franz uh but that's the bit, like I wouldn't be trying, the, the more, like I thought about Levine for them pretty substantially early on. The more I watch them, the more I think that you're right, that they probably shouldn't do that yet. And that they should look more like, hey, like Buddy Healed would be like an interesting flyer for us sure. to take as an expiring deal. Uh, maybe we'll give up like a late first or something like that for him. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. I'm cool with stuff like that. I just... I feel like they're the team that everybody wants to throw into the big fish conversation. And I'm just like, I'm not there. I, I don't see that. Maybe I'm a little too slow to, or maybe I just want organic growth to happen. I just want to know for sure what things are before I make a move. Maybe that's where I'm at. And I think there's more to figure out because there could be a bigger ceiling here than what we've seen even.
0: Yeah, the Heat, I think, are in a really interesting spot as well. The Heat are a team that can really go out and, I think, make uh, a fun move because they have the Kyle Lowry expiring contract. Uh, they have you know some interesting younger players as well. They have some picks now, finally, that they can move. I'm intrigued to see whether or not the Heat go out and try and get, like, DeMar DeRozan for them, I think, would be really fun. Uh, they would just fully embrace, like, the mid-range god Uh, label that Jimmy Butler has instilled upon them. I think it'd be a really fun acquisition for them. Uh, whether or not that happens, who knows? But even somebody like Kelly Alinek, I think would really help them. Just, you know, another big who can space the court, you know, can play with BAM. We've seen it, you know, they, they, if I remember correctly, they crossed over for like a year. Uh, when Bam got drafted in 2018. Uh, and if I remember correctly, it was pretty solid when they played together. Uh, but Kelly's been in that system before, like could really help. We'll talk about, you know, more specific guys later on. Uh, the Hornets as well. I've, I've seen a few people in the comments bringing up the Hornets. Um, yeah, they should be selling, I think, but here's the thing. So. I think the price point on Gordon Hayward is going to be a lot lower than what I think people are hoping. Like, I don't think Gordon Hayward will probably get back a first round pick. And the reason for that is just that these guys that have like $30 million cap hits that are not quite star level players, or even like a level below DeMar DeRozan, right? It's hard to move them when the cap hit is that high. Um, Like to me, like it's plausible that like the Sixers could do it using their like expiring salaries and maybe like some of the second rounders that they acquired from the Clippers or something that that's like an interesting one for me, but I don't necessarily see like I I don't see a team out there. That's going to move like a first round pick. And if that happens, like then you start getting into buyout territory, but if you're the Hornets everything that you've heard, everything I've heard is that Gordon Hayward's been like a fantastic vet for those guys to have around. You probably don't want to buy him out unless you're just doing it like as a favor to him and as a favor to, you know, Mark Bartlestein and the good folks over at priority, like could be something like that, I guess. But I, I don't, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that like, it's harder for me to see a move for Hayward than what I would have thought, I guess.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I'll tell you like, Every one of my notes is get this guy on a contender, get this guy on a contender, get this guy. I just think he's playing really well. The games I've watched, I know he's had some bad games as well, just box score watching, but the games I've watched, I'm like, this guy looks really good. You bring him off the bench and I think he can play in the playoffs. He can handle the ball a little bit, Sam. He can shoot it a little bit. Like he does a lot of really good things, but you're right. That's a big salary. If I was the Hornets, I would not buy him out unless, like you said, it's a, hey, we'll take care of you. This is what you want. You want to get out of here? Because if you're not going to get something for him in a trade, I would absolutely keep him. That that organization needs some sort of good vibes around it. And for me, Gordon Hayward's at least bringing some sort of good vibes. And it's good to have somebody like that with these young guys. Help Brandon Miller along. Don't put too much pressure on those guys. But I also understand the workings of the NBA. You want to do right by this guy because you may want to sign or whoever his agent is, you know, you may want to sign one of his guys later on vice versa. Like you got to keep good relationships that way as well.
0: I've seen a couple of people bring up miles bridges as well. Uh, Miles bridges has a no trade clause, which will really make it complicated to move him. Uh, He has a no trade clause associated with his qualifying offer that he accepted. So that's going to be just extremely complicated. And, Like, I just don't really care to dive into Miles Bridges in that way at this point. Uh, Let's move on and talk about the Western Conference. Let's go with the, is this the Northwest Division? I always get confused with the divisions in the West. Uh, The Nuggets, I think they just need like more depth and bodies off the bench unless they really start to trust their young guys. The Wolves, they could use maybe like another backup two-way wing or actually a point guard, I think would be really valuable for them uh off the bench oklahoma city was the team i struggled to like figure out the most in terms of what they need they kind of just like have a lot right now uh maybe just like another big might be valuable uh the jazz like they need to sell what they can and maybe like make a choice on where they want to go moving forward and then the blazers like they're just obviously in a sell mode they're trying to figure out what their core is moving forward uh none of these teams particularly stand out as being super active at the deadline. I, I guess we should focus on the jazz very briefly. I will say like a lot of people bring up Lowry Markinen, and I understand why they bring up Lowry Markinen. I look, these things change. We're two months away from the deadline. Who knows? Right. I do think I would be surprised if they moved Lowry at this stage I get why they bring him up because Lowry's trade value will never be higher than it is right now. Uh, He is on a cheap deal right now. He is averaging like 24 points per game, nine rebounds. He's been fantastic, you know, this season, but he's probably not a number one. Uh, I thought he was like a damn near all NBA player last season, if not just straight up one of the 15 best players in the league but you know, being a low end all NBA player doesn't make you like a number one guy on a real contender. Unfortunately, he has one year after this one left and then he's going to get wildly expensive or the jazz can do a renegotiation and extension similarly to how uh, they did with how the Kings did with Sabonis this past off season, try and make something like that work. I'm fascinated to see what they do with Lowry, but like they're not at a point where they have to make a decision on Lowry yet. And I I get why he'd be brought up. The jazz clearly need to make like a core shakeup in some way, shape or form. But to me, like you're trying to get guys like Lowry marketing and you're not trying to move them out. So uh, until it becomes a necessity, I don't think you move him.
1: Yeah. Like that's where I'm at as well. I know in Detroit world, we talk about Lowry marketing and I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. One, the assets aren't there. And two, like, why would Utah do that? I just, I look at, I understand the fear of losing him for nothing, but you're not to that point yet, as you said. And I realize you're going to have to eventually pay him, but he's really freaking good, Sam. Like I think he's a guy that maybe you do want to pay at some point. And so you have All of these draft picks, you're gonna bring in all of these young guys. You know, Keontae's starting at the point, you're developing him. Hopefully, the Ball. I I think it looks like Hendrix has started to play a little bit at least. You need some talent. Like, I've watched this happen. You need some talent, Sam. And I think Lowry's worth. Even if you're even as a rebuild team, if you're paying him boatloads of money, I think it's still worth it. Like, I just Maybe I'm swinging the pendulum too far the other way after what I've watched for the last four years, but that's how I feel about this thing. You can't make it completely go bare and have no real NBA talent and expect these guys to really develop. That's kind of how I feel. I think Lowry is the perfect guy to just keep around, Build around him. Maybe it happens faster. Maybe some of these guys pop. You have a. T- you know, what if Keontae yep. really pops and and Taylor pops and you draft somebody good and then you have all these other draft picks you can trade to go get a second star and now you're really cooking and you can build this thing in a couple of years. I don't know if it happens or not. I would much rather have Lowry in the fold to maybe make it happen. And then real quick on, I, I think the Nuggets, Sam, are interesting to me. We've talked about them a lot. I like Christian Brown. Peyton Watson is, you know, good at times. Other times, Strother's been playing more. Zeke Naji hasn't been as good as what I thought I feel like. Maybe I'm being hard on Zeke. I'm a little nervous about the Nuggets, a little bit, with their depth. Uh, I would be interested. I don't know how much flexibility they have to do anything, but that's a team I would like to see maybe go make a move.
0: Well, look, like if there is a team out there that likes Zeke Naji, or if the Nuggets just decide they don't, you know, want to continue with him in some way shape or form and I, I don't know that they're disappointed in zeke like i think he's been it's such a low like usage role that's for him, him right sure. yeah like yep. I, I have never been a huge fan but the thing about the extension that he signed in the preseason i guess it was it's such a low cap hit that the poison pill doesn't really impact things that much like they could still go out and use his deal to like go get somebody else if they want to so i I don't know like we'll see what happens with the nuggets i do think they could use another bigger body though for sure Uh, i I think that that would be smart
1: if i was looking for a big i'm interested you think i would call orlando sam because Wendell carter jr is close to getting back are they gonna keep batazi
0: Cause we, like we, we can't, we can't have this conversation yet, Bryce, because my, my take on that matter, uh, is, uh, it, it would probably break the internet. So okay. I can't, uh, I can't, oh, I, can't I know have what that it is. I can't they, they I have, three, have that conversation yet. They
1: have three good centers down there and I love a couple, like, well, I love all three of them, but the two that have been playing have been playing really well. Okay. We can move on. My bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I think that's all that I really have on that division. Like Oklahoma City, like they have a lot of flexibility to like do something fun. Like really like a team like them could like go out and try and get like Caruso. They could go out and try and, you know, do something, you know, even like an Ananobi or something. Like if they could go get Ananobi with all of the picks they have, like, can you imagine OG there is like their fourth third guy like you have og jalen williams and chet around shea Gilgis alexander and that's that's who you're replacing like the josh giddy minutes with is og and oh by the way like they can offer more than anybody else in the league right now like you could offer you know whatever you think of josh giddy you know is a player long term he's a terrible fit with scotty so i don't know if that's actually someone they would want but you have all of the picks you have like 15 first round picks or something like that so I think that they're like a really fascinating one for Ananobi.
1: We've talked about this as well. And, and OG is not what we're talking about as far as a role player, but they literally have so many picks. Let's say they wanted Buddy Hield, right? Like they just say, hey, we need some shooting. They could go just give something crazy for Buddy Hilde just because they're like, hey, we want to go compete in the playoffs and we think Buddy Hill spacing the floor would be good for us. And I'm just using Buddy as an example. And if they, whatever they gave up, we would all go, well, they have them anyway. It's no big deal. They still have how many of our first round picks left. They can just, what other team can just quote unquote waste first round picks to find the perfect role players. And that's what they can do. They honestly need to do it because they can't draft all these dudes anyway.
0: And he's kind of the perfect role player. I like it. I
1: like it. I go give up our first rounds to outbid everybody else and make it happen.
0: And, like, if he doesn't re-sign, like, yeah, it sucks. They still have 11 first-round picks or something like that crazy. That's
1: what I'm like, saying. It like, they legit can't use all of them anyway. So, it's, it's yeah. this is the position they have put themselves in. And, I don't know, it, they're fascinating. They control so much, and it's awesome for Sam Presti.
0: No, I love it. Uh, like, I, I'm not saying that they should, like, honestly, I don't... It would depend on what the price is for me. It really would. Like, I, I think there is a level to which they should probably do it but like if it's like five firsts like i'm not doing it if it's uh, honestly if it's four like i don't think i would do it like i'd be probably willing to do three because like for instance like grape ape says like uh these picks will be picks down the road that make them able to build a roster of the second apron here's the thing you'd still have like almost an average of two picks per first round (laughs) in the next like seven years even if you gave up Three picks for OG and Anobi. Like it yeah, would I mean, my thing is they're still going to have that.
1: <laughs> if you're at the second apron, you have six or seven guys on the roster already. So like, you can't add eleven over two or three seasons. Yeah. Like, I get your point. You, that's a fair point. That yes, having these picks long term definitely makes sense. And, and the other play is to your point you keep rolling them down the road, right? Like you trade one now for one, five, six years down the road. I do love that they have that flexibility as well. Like I get it doing this a couple times doesn't screw that up though, Sam. They have so many that they could do this a couple times with role players and still have that flexibility down the road also.
0: Yep. Uh, Next up here, let's go to the Pacific division. For the Lakers, like they just need like a starting wing and like a, another ball handler. I think like they, they just need, they need stuff on the perimeter. Uh, the Clippers, I think they could use another front court piece, maybe another backup big. They have a lot of wings, uh, maybe like another defense first option potentially. I think would be valuable. The Kings, they could use defense on the wing and perimeter. They're like another prime OG and an OB team. I think the Suns just more bodies. Like they need depth, uh, beyond the, you know, Beal Durant. Booker, Nurkic, Core. And the team that we want to talk about most here is the Warriors. Uh, Look, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Uh, They need to make a shakeup trade, I think. And like the green thing that just happened, like that's obviously just another sign, but they need to make a shakeup trade is where I'm at. And if it's Pascal Siakam, great. You know, if it's you're trying to get like Alex Caruso, great there are guys out there that I think can fit them and can fit their core. I think that they need to go find a move that just like fucks with the juju of what's going on with that team right now.
1: Are you in the camp? You just ride this out with clay and Draymond and Steph. I mean, obviously Steph, but clay and Draymond as well. Like you just ride it out. You, you sacrifice all the young guys, all the future. And you just, you rock with those three.
0: (sighs) I'm not in that camp totally, but I think that I'd be, so like I'd be more willing to move clay than I would Draymond personally. I understand that that's probably like a popular an unpopular opinion to have today. Right. But <clears throat> I think Draymond brings them way more defensively and what they need on that end than what clay brings in terms of like his floor spacing and like offensive firepower at this point. I, I think that it's harder to find a Draymond than it is to find what this version of Clay is right now. Not not to say what Clay was previously, but like what we've seen from Clay right now, like Jet says in, in the YouTube comments, Pod's their second best player during the Draymond suspension coming up. I wouldn't go that nuts, but I would start Pajemsky at this point. Like hand up Like, look, I, I said during the pre-draft or like I said, literally on draft night and like literally the next day when my write-up went up for like team grades that I loved the Pajemski fit with the warriors. Like I would have him as a first round grade, but like acknowledge, look, like I didn't love Pajemski last year in the draft. He's been fucking fantastic for the warriors. He has been unbelievable in terms of his off ball movement, in terms of his decision-making and passing and playmaking ability. Uh, the shooting has been real, obviously, which is what we all expected. Uh he, he has been just terrific for them. And I, I would be starting him at this point.
1: There's a sense of energy with pods as well. Like even before he was playing, I remember watching a broadcast and the, the players, like the Warriors players, just talking about Pods and the energy he brings. So here's my next question then. Are the young guys too far away from helping you win deep in the playoffs to do it with them? plus curry plus what you could get if you traded off wiggins clay chris paul looney etc like i realize you wouldn't do it all at once at this deadline because that's where i'm at is like are they close enough and then what can you get in return for the vets that you can do this with curry kaminga moody pods etc plus whatever new players you get like I'm not yeah. sure
0: if I believe that either, but so I, like here's, here's the big significant question, right? Like let's say that they decide to move clay. I think clay would be way easier to move than Draymond. Cause Draymond has all the money like yeah. down the road. Long-term clay is expiring. What is clay Thompson's market? No, it's like, I I, I mean that genuinely, like, yeah, I, I, I think the Lakers would probably have interest. Uh, I, I think that like, But like, I don't know, like how, how would you answer that question? Like what teams would have interest in Klay Thompson?
1: No, that's what I'm saying is like, I listen, I love the Warriors brought me back to the NBA, the original Warriors, even before KD. um, I loved watching them play. Like I fell in love watching them play basketball, Sam, with these guys we're talking about. Like I almost hate watching Clay Thompson play right now because like this isn't the dude I love yeah. watching play, and I just wish he would start taking easier shots. So I still, even with that said, I think I want to go the young guy route. I don't think he can get there as much as I like Moses Moody, as good as Pods has been, as much as I like Jonathan Kaminga because of what you're saying. What is Andrew Wiggins' market right now? It's less than Clay's, right? I don't think he started the second half last night, Sam. No, like
0: Andrew Wiggins, he he is like a negative value asset right now.
1: So you can't Uh, build the rest of the roster around him, even if you wanted to go the young guy route. And then you're running out of Steph's timeline in terms of his age. It's just, I think they almost have to say, at least you guys have chemistry and maybe by trading all the young guys, we get this influx as the comments are saying of like some sort of new energy or something. Like maybe it's Kaminga, Moody, whatever contract, whatever picks are available. And you take a swing and you got two years and you know that like Sam, it's just over after that. We got two years and then it's going to be a disaster for four or five, but we owe it to these guys to take one more chance. I guess, I guess that's what I would do. Cause I don't think the young guy route is going to work either.
0: Yeah. So, Wiggins has four years, $109 million left on his deal, uh, including this season. I want to be totally upfront. Like when I say that, like, you know, what is Clay's market? I don't think they're moving Clay Thompson. Like, I I do not think they're going to trade Clay by any stretch. Uh, I don't know what his like market is, though. Like Shams reported earlier today, they offered him a two-year $48 million extension previously and he turned it down uh based on the way he's playing like that's a pretty egregious overpay right now uh for what his level has been so far like it's a real question like would the hornets do something like gordon hayward and something you know financially like with for clay thompson
1: I the Warriors would not Here's where it comes into play. They won't the Warriors, the
0: Warriors won't do that.
1: They would the not thing. send him matter. to the Hornets.
0: Yeah, there's no chance. So what I To I've me seen, like they they have to move Wiggins. The the deal that Bill Simmons brought up is like somewhat interesting to me. Like you do Wiggins and Kuminga for Pascal Siakam. It's interesting for the Warriors, but if you're the Raptors, why do you do that? Because Kuminga is not a fit with Scotty Barnes at all. It would have to be like pods, probably. Like Wiggins, pods, and like a pick, maybe. Something like that for Siakam. That feels aggressive to me, if I'm them. And here's the other thing, too, about Siakam to the Warriors is, okay, so you're going to now, you need Kevon Looney still. Because the West runs through the Denver nuggets and Draymond green and Pascal Siakam. You don't want to have them on Nicola Jokic. You still need Kevon Looney, but against the nuggets, do you feel comfortable playing lineups of, you know, Steph Clay And then the front court being Draymond Siakam Looney, none of whom can shoot. So what do you do there? I, I don't like the Siakam fit as much for the Warriors either, as you know some other people do. OG like sounds great, like if you could swing that, fantastic. But you'd have to give up all of your young players to do that. So, really. so that's
1: what I'm saying is like, would you just trade Moody, Kaminga, Pods, pick swap in 27, pick swap in 29, unprotected first in 28? Because that's essentially what they can trade. Just looking at SpoTrack right now, they owe stuff through twenty twenty six, so they could swap in twenty seven, swap in twenty nine, outright first round pick in twenty eight. That's a lot for OG, especially if the That's Raptors don't think they're they're getting him back.
0: That's a lot. And do you win the title with OG?
1: Do the Warriors win to the
0: to do title that? You them? have to win the title. I think if you're giving up that much, where's the you have depth? To win the title.
1: Where's the depth?
0: So they still have left? Gary Payton.
1: Gary Payton and have, Chris Paul.
0: Yeah, Chris Paul in that case. You could also do Chris Paul in something like this, like, and keep Wiggins and just pray that it works. Yeah. Because, like, I'm sure that the Raptors would rather have the Paul deal than the Wiggins deal. So, like, you could do Chris Paul, um, you know, Moody Pods, two firsts, and a swap or something.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think I've talked myself into Sam. Like, I would just do it. Like I, if if that would get it done, I would do it. I don't always love the we owe them this, but I guess like they did bring a lot of titles to Golden State. So you probably do. I just hope one thing I do, I hope everybody remembers
0: this. If the this, one this, this is for OG as well. We're saying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is for OG. I, I think we both agree he's the better fit here.
0: Cause he really well, provides guess, that. Too, that. That's like that's like too much money as well. So now I'm thinking yeah, about. that. Like, yeah. I, I guess I've been like thinking about that from like a S- Siakam perspective for too long. Um, yeah, for OG, like it'd have to be. You'd Probably have to get something the back. But they have expirings. Like they have Thaddeus oh, Young yeah, yeah. and Otto Porter. And Otto Porter on expirings.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I've talked myself into you just do it, and then we all have to just understand that, like. This thing is going to look bad whenever those guys all retire. It seems like I don't know. Maybe they'll find it.
0: Yeah, and like here's the thing. So like Johnny Golden says, like OG's oh, overrated. Y'all act like he averages thirty and has been an all star. I don't think we do. I think we act like he's probably one of the five or six best defenders in the NBA, and he's you know something between a fifteen and nineteen point per game scorer that shoots threes. That's a super valuable player. Uh, look, yeah, I don't think I would do this for OG and Ananobi for what it's worth. So, OG, OG shooting
1: almost forty percent on almost seven attempts from three, yeah. and guards everybody from like in the games I watch. He was guarding Wimby. The next game I watch, he's guarding Donovan Mitchell. Like he's, I feel pretty comfortable with how we've talked about OG Ananobi as a good, really good NBA two-way player. I feel pretty confident about that.
0: Yeah, he's gonna. And here's the thing: again, the Raptors to move him. I think they are going to require an overpay like they, I think they will move Siakam for like reasonable value if it comes for OG, who I think they believe is like a real fit with Scotty Barnes long-term. I think that they would probably require a pretty real overpay in terms of assets. So, so
1: you, and you said, that's you why, do that. the,
0: that's why the deal is so high, but that's why I think that like, I probably wouldn't do it because I think that the, it's just too many assets for OG.
1: You wouldn't do that. that. If you're the warriors, like you would be out on that.
0: If I could get, OG, if I was the warriors and I could get OG to agree to the max okay. extension that he has left. Yes, I would do that. But like, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. I think that's where I'm at. Um, the other team we have to talk about here is the Lakers, because this is a podcast. And what is a podcast if you don't talk about the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, the Lakers just need another scorer on the perimeter, I think. Having said that, like I want to bring up for people that maybe have not noticed what Austin Reeves has done over the course of essentially the full season at this point outside of his first five games everyone had a full scale fucking meltdown about Austin Reeves after the first five games. And we're like, Oh my God, he's so overrated. He's this, he's that Austin Reeves over his last 19 games playing 29 minutes a night, averaging 15 points, five rebounds, five assists, shooting 50, 38, 87 from the field with a two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. Austin Reeves still really fucking good at basketball. Like, like, really good at basketball. He is a legit like number 3 number 4 for the Lakers on this team. I think he can be like a number 3. I think he proved last year he can be a number 3 on a conference finalist team. Number 4 who they need to go find somebody because I don't think they have like another I don't know like do they have another guy that you feel com- comfortable as like a starting quality player? And oh, by the way, like they aren't starting Austin Reeves for reasons beyond my comprehension right now. But like, you know, Cam Reddish has been nice. I guess like he's been solid. Uh, You know, D'Angelo Russell is at least like scoring effectively and efficiently. But I don't know how much I trust him moving forward. If I'm them, Gabe Vincent will return at some point. We'll see what he looks like. They they have potential bodies. I just don't know that they have real like dudes right now they
1: have one future pick to send out and then i guess you have a lot of contracts in the right spot you know that combine vincent's at 10 and a half well i guess only a couple that not as many as i was thinking so i don't know it'd be interesting to see where they would go like what what's the package like who are the guys that they would package to get there and then the money is interesting. Like, are you going to put Delo in the deal? Vincent's at 10, Rui's at 15 and a half. And then after that, it really, really drops. So I think that's where I always struggle with the Lakers a little bit. You're not moving LeBron, obviously AD, obviously the way Reeves has been playing, you're not moving him. So who are the yeah. guys that you package together to get there? Like, even if it's Gordon Hayward, how do you get the money? Who are those guys? And then, you know, what's left then? Like, do you have enough depth? Like, maybe you got a little bit higher end with a player, like a starter, but then do you have the guys off the bench? So it's it'd be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. They got to find somebody. Um, man, they look good in the in season tournament, though. Like, whatever it was, just more motivation, whatever it was. Like, LeBron has been incredible. When AD is healthy, he is insane. And as you outlined, Austin Reeves is
0: playing really well, also. So I believe. Think I'm not 100% sure on this. I think they can get to two picks that they could move somehow. Okay. Um, in like if they, they might have to like involve a third team to like rearrange somehow, but I thought that they might have a route to get to two picks if they really wanted.
1: Okay. To. So are t- 20 30 picks available? Cause on SPO track, they don't show, but I feel like 20 30 picks are available. 20 30
0: picks are available. Yeah. That's so,
1: correct. okay. Yeah. So, um, um, it so would the, still be the, pick yeah. swaps, but yeah. And so that actually goes, even the Warriors, that they may have been more available to trade uh, first. Not that you'd want to add any more to what we already discussed. But anyway, so yeah, I may have uh, spoke out of pocket a yeah, little bit with they, some they of these.
0: Have, I believe they have a route to being able to move two picks. But yep. so like, who's the guy? Like to me, Levine is hard. Like Levine's number is actually hard for them to get to because he makes over 40 million. Uh, like D'Angelo Russell and... Rui, I believe, do not get you there. You would have to add in more. I think that DeRozan for them, asset-wise, actually makes like a lot more sense, personally. Yeah,
1: because Rui and D'Angelo get you to 32. So you'd have to. So this is where it becomes a little bit complicated, Sam, because to get to the 40, then you have to add Gabe Vincent at 10 or now it goes down to Jared Vanderbilt, who's under five, Prince under five, you know, Hood Shafino, Christian Wood, all these guys are like two or three. Now you're adding like five or six dudes just to get there. So that number is a little bit difficult to get to yeah. after that, unless you add Gabe it, Vincent.
0: It, and Vando's number is weird because it's poison-pilled because he has an extension forthcoming. Um,
1: oh, yep, yep, you're right.
0: Yeah, like you can do like Vincent and Rui, Vincent and Russell to get to – uh DeMar's number pretty easily, I think, uh, and like throw in like one of these minimums or whatever. Maybe, like, maybe the asset is Max Christie or something like that, right? Like, and I've liked Max when I've seen him this year for what it's worth. I wouldn't be wildly enthused about trading Max, but you know, if you really think that DeMar DeRozan is a real dude, then you know, you probably do move Max Christie and something for him. Right.
1: Yeah. I I really like DeMar DeRozan. I know we're gonna talk about him a little bit more. I, I think DeMar is really good. So um yeah, it's another team. Like I continue to try to weigh like teams in title windows. How much do you go all in? How much do you try to keep flexibility for the future? Like, where is that breaking point? These last two teams we've talked about, Sam, in, in different situations. Excuse me, but it was like, yeah, is it an overpay for OG for the Warriors to do that? Absolutely. But you have these all-time great player, these all-time great Warriors players. You may have to overpay and really sell on the future to give them another chance to win another title. It's kind of the same thing with the Lakers. Like you haven't one the maybe the one of the top two, three greatest players of all time. You have Anthony Davis, like You can't just waste a year if you don't think you have enough to win it. And if there's a trade out there, Sam, that makes you feel like you can go win it, that might be Mm -hmm. worth overpaying or leveraging the future to do that. I think that's where I would be if I was in the mindset of one of these contenders.
0: Yeah. And Vector Nova brings up the Jared Vanderbilt can't be traded. That's right. I forgot that he signed that deal in September. I thought he signed it in like August or something. Um, and like it might expire before the deadline. Uh, I was wrong about that. Regardless, he can't be moved. Um, yeah, no, like, look, it's this, this whole, like weighing the, weighing the future for the present. Like when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, when you have Stephen Curry, right? Uh, I think that it's more about weighing like the opportunity cost of what you might be able to do in the near future in order to like accentuate your core as opposed to what it looks like five years down the line. Right. If I was the Lakers, the way I'd be thinking about it is like, okay, if LeBron retires, you know, We're probably fucked anyway, so we're just moving Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis will return significant assets in any trade that we move him within, right? So I can replenish those assets if I need to anyway. If I was the Lakers, I would be trying to find a move that makes sense. Like Alex Caruso would really work for them, I think. Uh, there, There are a number of players that I think could really make some sense for them. It's just trying to find the right ones really uh levine has come up often i don't know how i feel about levine on the lakers again i don't know that it matters because it's hard to get there money wise uh yeah look like uh, it's based on who's available now it's hard for me to find the team and the player uh someone brings up malcolm brogdon malcolm brogdon's like kind of interesting but i think that would lead to a lot of stagnation on offense because he does tend to like kind of pound the ball into the ground a little bit uh in like next to LeBron that would be a little bit frustrating for me but yeah like they're, they're in a they're in a spot where honestly a guy that I think makes a real amount of sense for them is Boyan Bogdanovich if the Pistons ever decide to move him
1: yeah Boyan is good um, I don't know what the Pistons are going to decide to do there they, they they need good players on that roster but mm-hmm. um you know he's he he's pseudo expiring boy on is on it as 20 million on the books for next year but only 2 million is guaranteed so you know that that's obviously can quickly turn into essentially an expiring contract you know he finally came back he's looked good he hasn't even really made shots at an insanely high level yet and he's still you could just tell like this dude's a pro bucket getter. Obviously guys can look really good on the Pistons with everything else they have going, but yeah, that would make a lot of sense for them. Just a guy that can space the floor. He can do a little bit off the bounce. It's not great, but he's just, you know, he's getting older. There is obviously maybe an injury concern with that, but it's not going to take, well, I should say, I wouldn't think it would take as many assets. Um, I don't know reportedly what the Pistons are asking, but
0: Uh, it'd take a first or like value of a first to get him for sure.
1: Yeah, I just like, meant like it's not the same hall that you're, I don't know, maybe that is all, like, I don't know what exactly, but like if get.
0: you're the Pistons, like, and you, okay, not if you're the Pistons, more realistically, if you're Troy Weaver and the people around Troy Weaver who want to keep their jobs, you can't go 14 and 68 or whatever yeah. this season. Like you truly can't. That's how you get fired. So you probably have to keep Boy on on some level too. So it's hard. It's yep. really, really hard. Uh, okay let's go to this last division here. Cause we talked about that one for 23 minutes, Bryce. Cause uh, that's really just my fault. Last division here is the Southeast Southwest division, Southwest division, southwest. the Mavericks. I think they could use another two way wing. The Spurs are probably sellers and looking to see what they can find. Maybe if a point guard comes available that they think could make sense. Uh, the Pelicans, you know, they're looking for probably two way guys, the Rockets, they're looking, you know, for a backup big. In my opinion, the Grizzlies—they're just trying to figure out what they have at this point. Like, I, I don't know what the Grizzlies are. Um, Tom Lancaster is asking about the Kings in the comments. Let's maybe just give a quick second on the Kings. They're looking just for two, like they're looking for a two-way wing that can defend. Uh, Keegan Murray has been really good defensively this year, and I want to shout him out for being fantastic on that end of the court. But th- they still just need to find, you know, two-way wings. OG and Anobi I think would make real sense for them, but. Like, what are you moving to outbid somebody for OG if you're the Sacramento Kings? Is where uh, I'm I'm struggling with them a little bit, I guess.
1: Yeah, the Kings are interesting for me because, you know, Fox is incredible, Bleak Monk off the bench, Sabonis is good. You know, Keegan has struggled to shoot it, but I think we all believe in what he is as a player. Like, they kind of just ran it back a little bit, right? Like, and I believe in consistency and chemistry. It just, they, they struck me as a team that maybe like you make a move just to shake it up a little bit. I'm not like nothing crazy, but like we talked about an influx of energy or something different. Maybe I'm off here. You know, Fox just got back. So maybe that's what it is. I wouldn't hate depending on how the next couple months go for them just to make a move. It's like, Hey, let's get something in here that shakes things up just a little bit. Like sometimes a little bit of change is actually a good thing. Sam, I I know chemistry is good and consistency is good, but sometimes it can get stagnant. I'm not saying I know that that's what the Kings are. I just, and that comment as well, they, they don't have a lot of rim protection. That's very scary in general, in terms of their big rotation, but that's where I'm at with the Kings, like sneaky, maybe just make a move to shake things up just a little bit.
0: Yeah. It, it's, you know, they're sitting at 13 and nine, like they're in a solid spot in yes, the West. Like, sure. I, I don't, their defense has frankly been like much better this season. uh it that it, it, it's really really hard I think to figure out like what wh- where their future goes. And this was kind of the whole thing of like locking in Sabonis and locking in this roster. And like I was for that for sure. Like sure, just yeah. be competent for a while if you're the Kings, right? Like you know. You know, Tom says in the comments again, like local sports anchor as a source that OG has no interest in coming to SAC. Look, I, I don't know. Sounds possible. Like some, there are a lot of players that don't want to go to Sacramento. We need to be real about that on some level, but it, it, it's hard to find the right move for them is kind of why I, I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time on them. Like I, it's like, honestly, like somebody like if Jay Sean Tate comes available, like that's fun to me. I think Jay Sean would be valuable for them. Like just a dude that can come in and be like a wrecking ball defensively and help them out. Like on that end, that'd be like, you'll move the ball really quickly along the perimeter. That could be fun. Like they're they're just a little bit stuck right now and that's okay. But let's, uh, let's go to the Southwest quickly. Cause this is a, another division where like, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it really. And, uh, Is there a team here that stands out to you? Like the Grizzlies weirdly are the one that like I'm most interested in because I just don't know what they're going to decide to do. Like, do they go all in and decide that, you know, we want to really try and make the play in or do they kind of step back and, you know, keep it moving a little bit. They're going to have John Morant back here, you know, at the end of this coming week. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, they just kind of need to stand pat here for a minute, but they could use another wing, I think, for sure.
1: Yeah, they're the team that stands out to me just because I'm like, I don't know what path they're going to take, but I think there's been like consolidation trade talk for a while with this team, and then you just had the craziness of, you know, Stephen Adams' injury, Brandon Clark, Jaws' suspension, you know, obviously, you know, Triple J looks good, and um, Desmond Bain's really good, but what does that move happen eventually sam like do you eventually consolidate those guys and and who is that guy so they were the team that stood out to me as well of you just play this season out because you're 6 and 16 who knows what they will be when jaw gets back and you have these injuries anyway and you just kind of reset in the off season or do you do you, you do something before that also i want to say real quick on the spurs like doug mcdermott like i want i don't know that i would want to trade like doug mcdermott like Floor spacing is an issue already. I think like yeah. moving some of those. I, I understand it. Like I understand you want to get value for these guys, but sometimes you need that, especially with the young team. Just that floor spacing. So I wanted to get that in real quick on the Spurs. Also, real quick, if you would have offered me a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, a million dollars to name all six divisions in the NBA when we started, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like I have no, I have no clue what the divisions are in the NBA the names that's bad of me as a uh, somebody that does as much NBA and watches as much as I do but the the names of the divisions are all over the place it's so confusing to me
0: yeah it's it's not ideal uh it's not ideal by any stretch trying to like figure out what these teams like the mavericks are almost the easiest team to figure out cuz like the mavericks probably could just use like another two-way wing right uh, they could use another dude, and they have you know somebody in like Omax that they can move, or Jaden Hardy, like guys that you know might be players that are younger. That it'll be interesting to see what their role is long term. But you know maybe have guys ahead of them in the rotation right now that you could swing a deal for. It'll it'll be interesting to see what they do because uh, they could use somebody to help their you know defensive end of the court. At the end of the day, they they need somebody
1: yeah no I it will be interesting the the Mavericks roster, the Pelicans are interesting as well we've talked about the Pelicans just their roster in general in terms of like these offensive leaning players these defensive leaning players then you have yeah. Trey Murphy in the middle who's the one guy that kind of does both and so do you try to go get some more two-way guys that's a talented roster that I'm always intrigued by to see what happens I just it would be interesting if they were able to acquire that Sam, like have a, even if it was just one more true two way guy to play with those lineups, that would get really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, it's, I just don't know. Like truly, I just don't know what they're going to do. Maybe, maybe they go and find something out there that I can't foresee on the market right now. Like they, they don't have the assets to go get Siakam or, ananobi or anything like that i don't think they have the assets to go get caruso to be honest with you so it's just hard it's hard to figure out what they're gonna do to me because there aren't a ton of like two-way guys out there and like defense forward guys out there at this point uh yeah i mean that's through the teams On the player side, we kind of went through the players a little bit more than what I thought we would as we went through the teams. So maybe this section will be a little bit shorter than what I thought. Player wise, is there maybe we'll do this kind of like a favorite fit for all of these players as we go through them. Uh, I'll name a player. You name like the fit that you think like lines up best. Okay. Uh, Pascal Siakam. Of course, you start with that one. It's a hard one. It
1: is a hard one. And again, like I feel like I, I feel like a Pascal hater because I can't just say, like, whenever we do Alex Caruso or something like that, we'll be like, oh, he fits on every single roster in the NBA. It's just Pascal has this distinct play style that makes it a little bit tougher to find. So I'm going through some teams here. Does Miami make sense? They don't have the assets. Does he make sense? Just we're just playing this game, right? Like we're not playing complete assets game.
0: No, like try and try and figure out the assets. Like to me, okay. like the one that makes sense, like on both sides, is Indiana for Pascal. Uh, th- that's the one where it like kind of lines up across the board for me. Uh, I- Indiana, I think, could really use somebody like Siakam.
1: And you well, you don't you said you weren't sure that the assets required to get Siakam would be as much as OG. So you add in Jairus Walker, and then there's some picks there, and that gets it done.
0: I don't know if you do. I don't even know if you need to move Jairus in a deal like that. Like maybe it's just picks and something uh, out of. It's a good question. Like, what would Indiana have to move for him? Yeah, I guess. Like, let's just do like teams because I don't really want to dive into these weeds as much but maybe it's Matherin like maybe this is your like maybe the Raptors are like hey we'll bring Ben Matherin home and do something like that
1: yeah and Indiana has all their picks and they have a Clippers pick so yeah they probably whatever that would take so yeah Siakam there would be interesting I was looking through some of the Western Conference teams again it's just the space he likes to operate in it's a little bit tougher, especially if a team already has that on their roster, right? Which is what we've talked about with the Raptors. So it's it's not about Pascal not being a really good player. It's just you have to find the team that doesn't already have a player operating in the space where he's best at.
0: Well, the, the other teams, Atlanta, like they were rumored with him this summer. Sure. Uh, you know, if you, could you do something like AJ Griffin and picks for Siakam along with like expiring salary? That's yep. interesting to me. Yep yeah okay uh og and anobi
1: i like the indiana one that we talked about earlier i think that would be a really good fit um you know like i know i said don't do this but like what if you send him to orlando on a team that's already insanely good defensively and just add him with those guys I mean, OG is a little bit easier because every team you're like, yeah, that makes sense, that works. I like him there, right? And Indiana's a hot team in general. Again, I want to try to get some of these Western Conference teams in the fold as well.
0: I I still think that like OG on the Thunder is super fun. (laughs) Yeah, like that's a that's a great team. That's a great sign for me. Like someone brings up the Wolves, this is amazing. They don't, but that
1: would be amazing, Sam.
0: Yeah. They don't have the dude. Do, they don't have the picks to be able to do it. Uh, Zach Levine,
1: <sighs> who needs a bucket getter?
0: Yeah, you know what I've been saying about Levine the whole way is like I think like one of these seems like the Pistons or Jazz do it.
1: Yeah, I mean I I, I get it. I've I I was completely out initially. I talked myself into then it.
0: Then you watched fifteen more losses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It only took us an hour and a half to get there. Um, and then I've kind of talked to myself, they need something along those lines. That's that's why it's enticing to me. I'm now settled in what are the actual assets to get Zach Levine? Because I like even with the contract, the injuries, all of that. The Pistons need somebody like that to come in and get buckets because then you can find out who some of these other guys are. The Jazz. It wouldn't hurt to have a guy that can get buckets and win a few games and build some some positivity. Obviously, the Pistons are the ones that really need to win games. Like I shouldn't be talking about any other team winning games. Whenever I watch them for 82, I, I struggle to get him on a contender. Sam, like I just struggle I to to find that for him. And again, like I hate it sometimes because I'm like, I think these guys are good players, and I should be able to just say, "Oh, he fits in here." And I don't always I I don't always do it. Or I can't do it, I guess.
0: Yeah, like, I wonder if there's a way for Utah to do something like one of their young players, like a Sensaba or something like that. uh, You know, one of their billions of first-round picks, because they're another team that has, like, you know, 15 first-round picks moving forward. Yeah. and then, like an expiring, you know, they have the Taylor and Horton. They have Taylor and Horton, Tucker, Kelly Olenek, They like the Colin Sexton deal. Like maybe you could convince somebody to take that. Like, I I think Utah makes quite a bit of sense for Levine personally.
1: Let's just talk in terms of assets. Do you think two real assets is what Levine eventually gets?
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's two, that's two what, real like, assets. Yeah, Something whether that's a that.
1: young player or first round pick or whatever, like we're two legitimate assets
0: uh demar derozan
1: lakers heat
0: those are my two as well lakers and heat yeah makes Um, a lot of sense to me yeah uh so so like alex caruso the bulls have been like pretty said steadfast so far they're not going to move him i think it would be insane if they move levine and derozan to not move him Mm -hmm. uh so I think it's just like dependent on like an if statement of if we move Levine and Derozan, like maybe we move Caruso. If not, then we keep him. I mean, look like Warriors, Lakers, Thunder, Pacers, Bucks. Highest Maverick.
1: bidder. It's 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 the highest bidder, Sam. Purely like,
0: highest bidder. Yeah, the nine million dollar contract for the or no, I think it's like a little under ten million dollar contract for the next two years best defensive guard in the NBA can shoot threes, can initiate like as a backup point guard. It's he's worth 20 to 23 million. Easy. Uh, you know, Jim Amon asks Utah is Jordan Clarkson. Why Levine? Levine is just like drastically better than Jordan Clarkson. is kind of the answer. Um, yeah, like to me, it's to me for Caruso, it's literally highest bidder and like whoever wants him.
1: I I want him to end up on what like like the Celtics. Could you add imagine adding? I I know like like we're living in a world where these things probably can't happen, but like you add him to what they already are defensively, like we did earlier with the Timberwolves and OG and stuff. But yeah, like just looking any any team, who like you said, highest bidder. And again, that's why we've talked about like the return for Levine may not be as much as what you think for a guy that averages the points he does, and Caruso may end up being the surprise. Like. I don't yeah. think we're going to be shocked that oh they only had to s- trade that for Caruso. I think it's going to be like no. yeah, damn, he really was. He had as many guys, as many teams coming after him as we thought.
0: That's right. Uh, if they move Boyon, like I like the Lakers, a team that I kind of like for Boyon is the Grizzlies. Actually, okay. like I think they could really use somebody like him.
1: Okay. Space to the floor. Yeah, again, we we talked about Boyan. Boyan is a is a good player. He is coming off a career year where you knew the numbers were going to dip a little bit. He's thirty four. He just started playing again. He instantly has come in though, and you can just see what somebody like that can provide a team. He, you know, he needs to be on a veteran team. He's ready to do that. Like you bring him off the bench if you need some scoring punch. If you want to start him because he fits into that. So any team that kind of needs a scoring punch, a floor spacer, a guy that can get some buckets, I think he fits really well.
0: Uh Buddy Healed, we kind of talked about the magic, like that makes sense. I think the Sixers also make some sense for him, just like another shooter, another like offensive threat. Uh you know, Gordon Hayward, like I mentioned, the 76ers and Warriors earlier, like those two teams really stand out to me. Again, though, like it's just hard to do deals with guys making like 30 million. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is on expiring deal. Uh, I think I saw a rumor earlier this season the Heat were interested in him, which kind of makes sense to me, to be honest, because like super smart player, they tend to like really value guys like that. Yeah. Defensively, a question mark. His playoff numbers are much worse than what I thought they were. I am. I think he would not get a first round pick in return. He's also not extendable because he signed a two year deal previously for like 29 million from the Grizzlies. I think he's somebody worth going to get. I wonder if the Timberwolves make a lot of sense because they could use a backup point guard. He's from Minnesota in the middle of a playoff run. It's hard to get there financially for Minnesota in a deal like that. Uh, It's actually like quite, difficult for them to like be able to make that work financially but i do think that there is like a real like there's a lot of synergy there to me
1: no i like that like just as a a backup point guard there we've talked you know jones is incredible in that role I'm, i'm looking through some other teams just like who could really use another ball handler off the bench Minnesota definitely jumped out as I was scrolling through yeah I mean I think that one you said them and Miami
0: yeah like Miami makes sense to me yeah
1: Cleveland's been playing around with backup point guard stuff even though the rook you know Craig Porter Jr. has been good but like if you're really going to want to compete deep into the playoffs is, uh, and I know you just talked about Jones's playoff numbers, but maybe you want somebody with a little bit more as you get into that. Like maybe that would be a spot.
0: Yeah. That'd be interesting. Like if they just like, don't want to pay Isaac Okoro and like, don't trust him at all in the playoffs. Like just like a swap, basically that's somewhat, it sounds crazy on its face, but like, that's not, I don't know the Kings have been playing around with their backup
1: point guard situation. If I'm not mistaken, like Davion's been out. Keon Ellis has been in. Maybe they like Keon. I, I haven't watched enough of Keon specifically to say one way or the other. Like I'm just scrolling through teams going, who do I feel like maybe has a backup point guard situation that, would warrant something like this
0: yeah uh and the other thing for them is or for like a team in the backup point guard market like it's a little bit easier to make a deal work with washington potentially for delon right who's like been out for a little bit now but just financially like delon makes i think like 8.1 or something 8.2 uh trey or uh is it over 14 million so you know it involves more teams like the bucks can theoretically get in on something like that like that's a that's an interesting one the Knicks could use a backup point guard I'm glad that somebody brought up the Knicks like they could use something like that um you know maybe it's like Fournier for Tyus Jones or something that's actually not terrible to me yeah
1: no the Knicks could use them um it's it, it, it's it's kind of fun to go through and just see and, and I think what's interesting Sam is it's like oh this player's really good but where does he fit or this player you know I, I think some of the guys that aren't as a as good a players quote unquote, we've almost had an easier time finding spots. You know, it's just as you do these exercises, you realize the guys that are Alex Crusoe, literally any team, you know, like any team could use him where a guy like Pascal, a guy like Zach Levine. Okay. These guys are really, really good players, but the market is smaller. Finding the right fit is tougher. I just, I find that interesting as we go throughout the exercise.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, I mean like there are other guys here like I- I'm really interested to see what happens with Jay Sean Tate because like if I was the Rockets like I-, I would bet you that Boston would give up a late first for Jay Sean Tate. He signed for like six million next season or six and a half million for next season. Uh, it's it's funny like they have a um, trade exception that is like six point one million and Jay Sean makes like six five so they can't do it uh within the trade exception but like i think miami has a couple of trade exceptions that would make sense i don't think they'd give up a first though like boston would probably give up like 26 this year or 30 or whatever it's going to be this year and the rockets have Amen thompson and eventually cam whitmore to like enter this rotation at some point i i don't know man like there's to me you know if boston would be willing to do that for tate and but that's like the best guy that Boston thinks they can get. And honestly, like it might be because they're really constrained in terms of their salary cap and what they can do. That kind of like lines up well for me.
1: Yeah. I think they need one more guy. I had a really bad take talking about Jordan Walsh, maybe making a rotation for the Celtics this year. I had that early in the year. I was wrong about the player, but I was right in terms of they would need that type of player in the rotation. And they haven't found one. Like they, I like Hauser. I like Cornette. I like Pritchard. I think they have nine guys that I really like, but I, and you can go obviously eight, nine guys in the play, but they don't have that guy, right? Like Hauser is a very specific type of player. Pritchard's a small guard. Cornette and Horford off the bench are bigs. They kind of need this wingy 40 type of player. And, and I just want to give Jay Sean Tate some love, Sam. In my notes, it's like, continues to do winning things even if the box score stats yeah. don't pop the jay sean tate is the perfect example of if you would have asked me about tate, jay sean tate a, a year ago when i wasn't watching as many nba games as what i do now i would have looked at the box score and been like what the hell are we talking about jay sean tate for but watching the games i do again in my notes the motor's always running athletic finds a way to make an impact decent defense rebounding attacking the paint finds a way to make an impact. Huge rebound in the fourth quarter. It's just like the notes of every game I've watched say the same thing, Sam, of this guy doesn't pop in the box score, this guy is impactful and makes winning plays and is impacting how this team is playing.
0: Yeah, like to me it's like if I'm Houston, like it's it's hard for me to want to move him. But like also like his playing time has been reduced recently. Yeah, as yeah. well. So, like, if you're Houston, like part of you wants to be better, which is intriguing in its own right, obviously, because of course Houston wants to be better. Uh, they have Ime Yadoka, they have a great defense, and Jay Sean's a good defender. But like they're playing him less already because it's just hard with his shooting. Like, teams don't really guard him out there. And you have like Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore coming to take minutes. So like what's the role next year even because yeah, sure. he's on a great contract. So it's one of those things where like Jay Sean makes a lot of sense for Houston. If I was them, like part of me wouldn't want to move him, but also you are kind of like set to not move him kind of, you know what I'm like, you're, you're kind of set to move him a little bit sure. with where yeah. you're going. It's, it's a complicated one. Cause like, again, like he would have real value on the market. Like, again, I, I really think like Boston, would consider giving up their first for him, just given what their salary constraints are. Like you can do something like, you know, Delano Banton, Svi and like another minimum plus a first for him and make that work. And I think Houston was carrying 14 for a while. They'd have to cut somebody, but like, that'd be fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just, Dylan Brooks is on the books for, you know, a length of time. Um, um, Amin, obviously, like that, that's the thing as well. Tari Eason, Cam Whitmore, po- you know, my point is it's not even like those guys are going to be gone next year, right? So, like you said, where's, where's the role? Like the role is decreased. It's not increasing more. So this isn't an indictment of Tate. It's probably like, you're just going to give those minutes to Tari Eason, to Amin, to Dylan Brooks. Obviously, those guys are going to get those minutes. And Jay, like I almost feel like you're doing right by Jay Sean if you do it because you mm. get him somewhere where he has even if it's not more minutes, it, it's probably seems like a bigger role. Cause you're on a team that's really contending. He can show his value in the playoffs. Like it may actually help him get paid better. If he goes to the Celtics and helps them in the playoffs, maybe that sets him up better for his next contract.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting decision for them. Uh, and look like they, if I'm them, like I'm trying to figure out like, okay, am I trying to go out and get a star? Right, like if I'm Houston at this point, like that—that feels like where this is going with all their young guys. Um, they'll they'll build around the young guys, build around them, figure out which ones they want to keep, which ones they think they can move, and then they'll build around a star. Right. I mean, you go out and get another first, you know, that just amplifies your chest to be able to go out and get another star. So, uh, that's what I've got here. Let's let's call it here, Bryce. We've gone for an hour forty. Um, I wanted this to be like an hour 15 and we went 25 long. So that's a classic you and I, unfortunately, what we do, Bryce, uh, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on.
1: Yep. Uh, Bryce, I'm at motor city hoops on Twitter, lots of pissing stuff, but also plenty of NBA draft. And like we've talked about tons of just general NBA as I'm watching games. So give it a follow there. If you are a Pistons fan or care about a team that's lost 20 games at time of recording the Pistons pulse. We just hit 100 episodes. So I I do want to shout that out. I I feel like it's a decent accomplishment for where I started and and some of the other people that have been (laughs) with me. So, um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts there and yeah, that's it. And then here at game theory with Sam,
0: do you know how many podcasts we have recorded Bryce,
1: me and you or game theory
0: in general? You and I. I can tell you both numbers actually, bizarrely. But
1: this yeah. I think I counted yesterday. Um, you'll know what I'm referencing to whenever some other number came through to me and my wife. I think it was yeah. I think this was 13.
0: This one. This was this one is 16. Oh, I was um, short. You were short. This one is sixteen. Uh I was not short in what I paid you. No, you uh, were <laughs> I made sure and used a calculator.
1: Okay, so but, there, I, I didn't want to uh, call it out, but yeah, Sam paid me. So <laughs> no, fine.
0: Um <laughs> So the good thing is that we're on 16 now, which is great. Uh, And we're going to have, you know, many, many more, including the two that we're recording after this one for next week. Again, for the people who maybe weren't here to start the show uh, or just, you know, kind of zoom through the intro. I am in Bali next week. I am trying to be off the internet as much as humanly possible. Stay away from screens as much as possible. I have packed seven books for seven days in Bali uh, is where I'm at. And I am hoping to stay off the internet as much as I can. It won't happen, but we'll see. (laughs) Uh, I will be recording two podcasts with Bryce. The one on Sunday will be Eastern Conference overreactions through the first quarter of the season. The second one will be Western Conference overreactions through the first quarter of the season. That will go up on Wednesday or Thursday in the United States. Then I'll be back on Sunday uh, the next week. Uh, will I be back on Sunday that could be Christmas uh, the more I think about it is that Christmas Bryce Christmas no that's Christmas Eve well
1: I I don't know it it may be Christmas day for you I don't know Sam like this shit's
0: not not 100% sure on what yeah not 100% sure I guess I would say on when the podcast will be back probably the 26th would be my guess after these two episodes next week but there are some other things going on that I need to kind of figure out on my end still, but there will be two podcasts next week and there will be podcasts like the week after that. It's just the date we're trying to figure out right now uh, on what it'll be. Uh, Steve O asks, uh, love to have an update on coach spin. Sometimes I talked to Adam yesterday. Adam's great. He's uh, having a fantastic time. Uh, he is, he's all good. He's enjoying his job uh, with Philadelphia 76ers. So um, that's all I've got though. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.